Whenever you're ready, sir. I need a theme song. Do we need a theme song? We do need a theme song. You know that's going to stay on, right? Yevin! <laughs> hello, 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 everyone. You are listening to Stairway to Yevin. We're going to come up with a song, and it's going to be nothing like that song. No, absolutely not. That is just the intro of what possibly could be the greatest theme song in the history of theme songs. I think you're right. Right now, we're sitting in the outside, inside room of the back of our house, and it's they call it the Florida Room. Do you know why they call it the Florida Room? Because we're outside, and right now it's Florida, and right now it's raining like if it was Florida during hurricane season. I guess you're right. That's what, why, why else would you call it? I don't think Florida is the only thing that's getting rain done. The New York Mets fan base have been getting rained down very hard over the last few months or so, but especially as of late. Well, you know, the thing is, this is, this whole thing is a, I guess a, a theory or a way that the players said, hey, we're going to get back at the fans for booing us for not playing well, because we don't like getting booed. Who likes to get booed? Nobody likes to get booed. No, of course not. So they said, hey, well, when we start doing well, what we'll do is... We'll give them the finger. Whether the finger was the thumb, nonetheless, they would give them the finger. Yes, the finger wasn't the middle finger, if that's what you're thinking. It was a specific gesture, you know, when you don't like something, you know, you give it a little bit of a thumbs, thumbs down. All right, so we're talking about the thumbs down. We're talking about the Mets. We're talking about uh, Javier uh, Baez and uh, Francisco Lindor. Yes, Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor. Baez used to be on the Cubs. Lindor used to be on the Cleveland Indians. As you can tell, those are not very uh, big market teams. So much different than being in New York. Well, when you play in New York, it's a, it's a different world. But these guys came here with very big contracts, right? So high expectations, you well, would say? Well, Lindor is the, pretty much the only one that has the large contract right now. Baez is in a free agent year. So basically, this offseason, he's looking for a big contract. So in other words, what Baez is doing is basically selling himself to, to management and the fans and saying, I want to show you what I could do for you. By giving you the freaking finger, man. Showing me that you're batting 227 with four home runs and eight RBIs, and not to mention having one of the worst and hilarious, by the way, swings and misses ever in Major League Baseball history. I think he swung before the pitch was even uh, out of the guy's arm. And he pulled the trigger a little bit too quickly. He got a little bit uh, excited, as the proper way of saying it. But yeah. So, but anyway, I know this story is kind of running, running kind of quick, and. Uh, as we're talking about it, I think uh, they already were to- spoken to by upper management and the rest of the world, and said they, they were spoken by the yeah. by President Sandy Alderson, Alderson who right. was the GM, by the way, too. Made some really good moves, helped them for that uh, that 2015, and of course the owner himself, Steve Cohen, right now. I'm telling you, I know Steve Cohen was well, used to be a stockbroker. He's a hedge uh, hedge fund guy, you know, billionaire guy. Yeah, billionaires decided to. Take away the ownership from the Wilpons, which was a very good move if you're a Mets fan. And I have to say, I think Steve Cohen right now is not understanding what it's like to be a baseball owner. He is no George Steinbrenner as... You know, it's on-the-job training, right? And uh, and you'll get it. You know, the Mets are, are a, tricky, a tricky bunch, right? Uh, yeah, tricky they, bunch? They've been a tricky bunch for the last, like, 
1986. Last time they won it all. Since 1970, the year after 69. Well, yes. 19, <laughs> yes. Two World Series titles, 1969, 1986. But yeah, uh, I understand everything is a whole learning process and all that stuff. But clearly, there's absolutely no control over the players with this ball club. Because this ball club is literally spiraling down, 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 out of control. Would you say that the main thing was the uh, the Jacob deGrom uh, falling apart? That was definitely the first stepping stone of what would have been an epic Mets disaster. They were 10 games above 500. They looked like they had a very comfortable leave in a very disastrous National League East. The Phillies and the Braves were going nowhere. It looked like the Mets were actually going to be the new kings of New York. But then... Once the Grom went down, um, that's when everything started going out of control. Hmm. Well, in any event, okay. So they, now, now these guys are playing a little better, right? They got a couple of good plays, and now they're they were spoken to, and all is well. All is all for, for the moment. All appears to be well. You know, it still stinks. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine John Carlos Stanton pulling something like that? No, because I think he probably took the brunt of all. Well, the thing is, he had a very big contract as well, and he wasn't playing very well and was injured very much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he never he never uh, showed outwardly his disgust. Can you? Put, come on, you know you got to put more respect to his name now. Come on, you got to do that. I mean, look what this guy has done now. Now he looks like he's actually starting to pick up the pace again. Well, these guys. They're playing. What I hear is more. They're playing a child's game. And they're playing game. a. Chi- they're playing a child's game, and they're getting paid they, big bucks for it. And they don't know how to deal with all this because they've always been good, right? All of a sudden, now they're sucking. But and they're getting older, and there's a lot of pressure on them. And like, okay, what do I do now? I'm like, and the the, the level of frustration is probably something you can't imagine. Yeah, but you, do you realize that uh, Baez might be the number one, like, most hated enemy now in the entire city of New York after pulling something like that? But then again, he came up almost hero-like yesterday. Is, is this how life is, though? You you know, can, like, an abusive relationship, like, you, you, you do all this, like, bad shit, and you do one nice thing, and all of a sudden, all is forgiven. All of a sudden, the, the sun is shining, the rain is stopping, like it is in the Florida room right now. It's kind and of ironic. The rest of the day. <laughs> it's ironic that you kind of mentioned something like that, because right now, it's starting to lighten up a little bit, which, is, all, look, which is awesome. It's all getting bias out there. It's, hey. getting, it's all getting bias out there. Do you know that he wants a $200 million contract, by the way? He thinks he's deserving of a $200 million contract? Do you think he'll be getting a different finger himself when he uh, goes to the uh, the table? Oh, yeah, of course. I don't think if I was the owner of the Mets, I would have released his ass after that stunt. Well, it was almost like a cancer because the thing is, when when a movement like that takes place... Some other players are jumping on the bandwagon saying, you know what, it's us, it's us versus them right now. And the fans don't give a shit about us and screw them. And But but they, they, they're paying top dollar to watch your asses run around the field. I was about to say, you do not want to mess with the fan base that's paying a shit ton of money for you to watch you suck every day. Okay, you know what? That, that hurts to say, but it's absolutely true. It's not good for anybody. It's not good for the fans. It's not good for the vendors around the stadium. It's not good for... It looks bad on management. How about yeah. that? They're the people that acquired your ass in the offseason or at the trade deadline. To make you a better team. Exactly. So, uh, I, I, you know, even even your, your good friend Aaron Boone had things to say about it, didn't he? Aaron Boone? Well, Aaron Boone is manager of the 27-time New York Yankees. Think about how many boos he has gotten this year with an up-and-down 
I don't know how to describe this season. Up and down. Don't know what you're expecting kind of thing. So I think his whole thing was he said, you know, these guys got bigger things to worry about. Just, just worry about playing better and, and, and you'll, those are the kind of guys that are going to last. The ones that kind of get too locked into all them, all to that hyperbole and all that minutia and all the, the media, that'll kill you because you got to do is read the back of the New York Post or the Daily News and you, you feel like a big loser. Oh, of course. And uh, one of the things uh, was that we were... I was listening to the Michael K show because, of course, I wanted a little bit more insight on all this because, of course, being from a, a top-rated uh, New York uh, sports radio show. And one of the things they talk about is Brian Cashman usually acquires the guys that they think that they can handle New York. Mm-hmm. This guy is just getting guys. He's like, okay, here you go. You're going to be in New York. And right now, it looks like they're not able to take the heat right now. And you know there's going to be a miserable nine more years of Francisco Lindor if he cannot take the heat right now. You know, his hair will change another color, probably, but yes. Yeah, it might be great by the end of his 10-year contract, if he even makes it. Or he pulls the rest of it out of his head. Who knows? Well, what do you think is going to happen? Is Lindor going to go gray? Or his hair, or he's going to be bald like George Costanza? <laughs> very interesting. Well, yeah, it is very interesting. So, very interesting going on in New York. So, so talk about fingers going down. Uh, are, we gonna, are you going to talk about your beloved uh, Pinstripians? I will talk a little bit about my beloved Pinstripians because it's like the battle of two different moods in two different weeks, by the way. Last year or last week, I was so happy-go-lucky, 11-game winning streak. They ended up going to 13. Now they're in a little bit of a four-game slide. Are they like a are they like a Costanza kind of a lane thing? One does good, and the other one does bad, and they can't both be doing well at the same time. But now they're both doing bad at the same time. So would you say that they're evening out <laughs> or broke even, they, they as bro- uh, Jerry they, Seinfeld would say? They broke even. There's a twenty dollar bill right in there, right in their in their um, cotton jerseys that are shrinking as they're trying to go around the. Oh, was it cotton? The shrunk. <laughs> it oh. breathes. It breathes. <laughs> yeah, very funny. <laughs> So, actually, it's kind of going a little bit different. Mets have won four in a row. Yankees have lost four in a row. So, that's how it goes. So, that's, that's... so, basically, there's no such thing as break-even. But, yeah, um, it looks like they are falling back to old ways. Not very... In a, not a very good way, by the way. Yesterday, they grounded into five double plays, by the way. And uh, it seems like starting pitching cannot get out of the fifth inning. Um James Tyone's not doing very well. Corey Kluber, I know it's his first start back in like three months, so I'm going to cut him some slack there. But but then again, it looks like they're going to hold the top wildcard spot because they're eight games out of the division. The Rays are just somehow still winning. I don't know how they're pulling something out of their asses, but that's the brief thing I want to talk about by Yanks. But right now, I'm not in panic mode. It is September 1st. They're obviously one of the top teams to make it to the postseason. So They probably they will make it to the postseason. Yeah, they probably will make it to a wild card spot against the against our foes up there in the Beantown, right near the Charles River and the Boston Red Sox. Mm. So they'll make it, but the Mets will not. No. Not this the Mets are, No, the Mets are... I meant the Mets are only five and a half back. Strange things have happened. They did blow a seven-game lead with 17 games to go back in 2007. And they did blow it, blow the division lead the year after that. So a lot of strange things do happen. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, well, what else would you like to talk about today? Well, you know, one of the things you wanted to talk about is, you know, I can talk about baseball nonstop all day and night. You, and you always ask, like... What gravitates towards like me liking the sport, or what gravitates your you to do things that you're passionate about? One of those kind of conversations. Well, it's, it's kind of like we're gonna get a little woo now. 
you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna burn a little incense and I'm gonna put on little lights and, and little soft music and a little Grateful Dead while you're at it too. How, how do you know when you found your life's purpose? Bob you, Weir, are you there? <laughs> how do you know? No, man, even like, how do you know when when it's that thing that you're gonna then you kind of like lock into something? You go, you know what? This is something that I think I can. I can find happiness with and I can make a living with and obviously you got to make a living with it but you got to enjoy it as well because it's not always just about the money. No one seems to understand that anymore because we there is a little bit of capitalist capitalism here where everything is all about money. Everything's getting more and more expensive as time go, as goes along too. It's true, but I, I was watching this Netflix uh, documentary the other day. It was all about drummers. It was called Count Me In. And it seemed like every single person that they interviewed when they were about, like, about... They got their first drum set when they were about 11 or 12 years old or so, and they all said the same thing. As soon as they started hitting that drum, this is, like, something that they can do, and it kind of, like, resonated with them in a way where they're like, wow, um, this is going to elevate me from who I am into something else, and now I... You know, it's a sense of belonging, but also, like, you're, you're also, yeah, you're, you're going to your own beat, da-da-da, yeah, it's funny. But it's, it's kind of like, wow, this is what I was meant to do, and maybe, maybe I can pursue this and even make a living out of it. We got the beat! That was <laughs> one of the, well, of course, drum is, drums are one of the most important aspects of being in a band, by the way, because if you have no drums, how are you going to be able to play in the same rhythm as it? Well, that kind of tied into the whole Charlie Watts thing. The whole thing is the, the drummer is the backbone of a band. I have a band that doesn't have a drummer. So right now, we have to bang pieces of wood against each other. And, and it's, it's not happening at the moment. But without a drummer, you don't have a band unless... And I don't know, unless you're doing Gregorian chants or something like that. Well, what about your pedal board? Doesn't your pedal board have availabilities to do like drum solos like i mean that's what you did with our last uh, theme song you could have a straight yeah you could have like a like a metronome or a drum beat but it doesn't have it's not the same as a live person well of course not i mean do you want me to buy a drum solo for everyone's that way we can do it for everything <laughs> uh, I, th- I think we're getting off point here the whole thing i'm like no, saying no. is is you know w- what makes you happy like you you do this kind of thing you know and i i tried a lot of things in my life and I, you know and to get really deep with me because i'm a really deep guy i i've tried many things in my in my young 38 years on this planet and <laughs> so 56 is the new 38 and and it's it's still it's still i'm still a work in progress you know I, i've tried a lot of marketing and sales kind of things and and even doing this podcast kind of thing is more like a release because it's it's fun. You know, could this be the release of stress? I mean, you could be the next Joe Rogan experience oh, kind of thing. I, that, yeah, well, you know, I, I'm already built and I just got to shave my head. You know, then but you know, you got to be your own guy. You can't. You know, it's just like when you're in a. Well, you know, a lot of people start off and they're influenced by people. Like, say, hey, we grew up with Howard Stern and we grew up with a lot of people that were on on the air, and I'm like, wow, that. That was really racy, and that was really funny, and I really would love to do that. You know, even growing up, I said, you know, I would love to write comedy. I love Saturday Night Live, and I love sketches and, and making people laugh, and I think that's something great. Somehow that kind of got away from me, and I went more into more traditional kind of things, which had various uh, levels of success, we could say. Well, all those things that you just mentioned, everything has been completely different since when you were growing up in the 80s and all that. Like you said, Howard Stern and all that. 
you can't do that stuff anymore. You get in trouble for that. You well, yeah, it's true. You know, all the Mel Brooks movies we grew up with, they could never be made today. Or all the things that we heard. If I, I play you things from archives, you get, they played that on the radio, and I'm like, yeah, we would go we go to work, it'd be on, and we'd laugh our asses off. We could not believe how great it was. Well, just be grateful that that we had it and all that other stuff, because because like you said, I'm like. Why would they do like a Blazing Saddles, like a 2021 version? It's going to suck because everyone's going to be offended by one thing or the other and all that. Absolutely. We, well, everybody's offended by everything now because they're a bunch of pussies. And that's just the way the world is right now. It is. It <laughs> is how the world is right now. Everything is starting to piss me off every now and then. I mean, I don't get offended very easily, as you may know. I probably got that from you. But it's just like when you hear like things like people getting offended over, over the most littlest of things, it's just like saying to yourself, it's like, do you have anything else going on with your life? Well, we, we do live in the world of, uh, of complaining and pointing out people's... Complaining, negative whining, <laughs> this, that, you know, blah, blah, and blah. I, and I'm going to give a real thumbs down to all of that. If, 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 are you with me on this? If you can, obviously <laughs> we have no video right now. There's currently a thumb down right near the microphone because... Actually, you know what? I'm going to do a double thumbs down because... It almost kind of reminds me of a, oh, not to change the subject for a second. You remember when well, the Yankees did that or something? That's all we do is change the subject. This is, maybe it should be called change the subject. <laughs> Digress. The digression show. The digressions. But anyway, the point is, is that, yes, uh, major thumbs down to this. It's like, I feel like this is the episode where we're supposed to, where we're reflecting on the thumbs down or something like that. It seems like it's becoming more of a, a big thing nowadays, especially over the last few years now that... Well, we live in the world of emojis now where people don't even speak. They, they text instead of talk on the phone. And, and all kind of context is taken out of it. The art of conversation. That's what this is, by the way. We're, we're keeping the conversation going, baby. I was about to say, we're <laughs> conversing digitally, but not using our phones in a way. We're using a microphone, we're using a laptop, and we're using the Florida room right now. I mean, yeah. how much more can we possibly need? I, I think this is important. You know, uh, you know there, there's... There's so much, uh, and technology is great because we wouldn't be able to do this without technology, without this wonderful microphone that has a USB port that goes into a laptop that goes onto a website or whatever. That's all you, that's sometimes that's all you need. I mean, you can always go all out. You can get soundproof things to soundproof the room. Uh, you can get like this big, this big ass microphone sure. like attached to something. But my thought is take the technology, but enhance some things that we had and not totally go all tech. And no convo. No, I like I actually like having conversations, like talking on the phone and all that other stuff. Like it's actually nice. It makes me feel like I'm so old fashioned, like back in the day, because no one picks up the phone anymore. You could try to set up a doctor's appointment, and yet you're at the robo line right now. And it's like if this is an emergency, press two. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a world of convenience too. And I, I see every restaurant that opens up now. It's like if you want it faster, then order on the app, and then pick it up. It was very convenient last year, though, when we were all quarantining and we couldn't leave the house that yes. much. I will admit that. It's true. Hey, I got. I, I had a thought. What, what do you think about the fact that we have a brand new store in our town today? Whole Foods? Everybody's talking about yet another another grocery store in, in like a, like a two-mile radius. You mean my favorite grocery store in the whole wide world? Yeah, but between the Whole Foods. So you got a Whole Foods, you got a Big Y. You got Stop and Shop down the street, and you got a shop right in the... And then you got, you got Aldi's and you got um, 
whole market or fresh whole, market or fresh, mar- yeah. fresh whole market fresh or- whole market next thing you know you're gonna have uh this and that and uh massachusetts they have new they have different grocery stores too they have a shaw's and they have a market basket over but there. but how do how do how do you add a whole another store to a very saturated market to begin with because you're trying to spread the competition i'm guessing I think it's spread already, you know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just wondering how this whole, and I know this is the American way, you know. Lowe's always opened up across the street from Home Depot, and but the thing is, we well, Wendy's have, opens across the street from McDonald's, or we already have like five supermarkets, and here's this, here's this like sixth or seventh or whatever it is. It's kind of like it's. Hey, hey, remember my running joke? How uh, every place that closes in this town, that I think a. Um, a yogurt place is going to open. Or, or, or a bank. Or a random bank that no one definitely uses. Like, there's probably going to be a Seattle-owned bank, like, in Connecticut. I'm like... Well, it'll be a bank that gives out freaking yogurt. Well, why not? Oh. There's a <laughs> there's an ATM deposit where you can add your yogurt, your sprinkles, all those other things. So how did you know when you had your life's purpose? My life's purpose? <laughs> well, I bring well, it, reeling it back in. Well, it took me almost... It took me years to realize I actually wanted to do this. Well, as you may know, I had a very, very special bond with my now deceased grandfather. Papa. Papa, very long time, <laughs> very long time ago. It was one of those things where we actually had a we had a relationship. We we hung out, we talked, he took me to the park, he took me to Times Square, he even took me to the Empire State Building one time. And um I knew there was definitely another way I wanted to connect with him on a whole new level. And one of the things he was obsessed with about was the topic we were actually just talking about the new york metropolitan so when he was laying on his um on the stones of death like very close to the end of like the throes the throes of death he um i always remember i always walked in his room and he always had the met game on and of course shea stadium you know brings back the nostalgic vibes listening to gary cohen keith hernandez and ron darling Mm -hmm. remember players like uh david wright and uh you remember Pedro Martinez? He used to be sure. on the Mets for a little bit. Billy Wagner, John Franco, Mike Piazza. I can name so many Mets players on the top of my head. I'm not even that. I'm not even a crazy Mets fan. I'm just a crazy baseball fan. So, so that kind of led you to that whole uh, love for the game just by that bonding experience. It did. And then when he, unfortunately, is no longer with us, so I knew I had to keep the legacy on and on and on and on. And but it had to be more than that because the thing is. If you weren't so into it, that would have gone away. Not just to say that you loved the guy and and you had that bond. The thing is, you had to have that inborn love for the game as well because it wouldn't have sustained. No, of course not. Maybe that was the fire star. Well, I remember I, I my first official season of baseball that I was watching like religiously was was around two thousand eight. Actually, closer to the end of two thousand seven into two thousand eight. Because I remember that's when A-Rod had his MVP season. And then, uh, but yeah, I just remember, I just kept on watching and watching and watching. I was obsessed. And it got to the point where um, it was actually difficult to make friends because, well, that long story short, I was kind of shy back in the day. So baseball was Mm -hmm. almost like my friendship, my family kind of thing. And then when MLB Network first started in 2009, I'm like, oh boy. Was that the hot stove? Hot stove, quick pitch, all those, all those things. Prime nine, I can name it all. It's like I watched it twenty four seven. First thing I did when I went home was watch it, and just stick well, with me ever since. Well, the thing is, I, I always noticed how you could remember stats and remember players and 
and all this minutia of, of who won what game how many years ago and that, that that's something that's insane that's, that's, that's there or it's not there and, and, and that's well one of the things you were talking about was when you uh, visited grandma and uh, what was it you were telling me how she was watching a game from was it 2019 I'm like mm-hmm. Todd Frazier three run home run yeah. ties the game and then well the funny thing is she got into baseball because of you really she she liked baseball somewhat, but the thing is, she wanted to connect with you, and she want, she said to me, I need to have something to talk to him about, so she got to learn more about baseball. Oh, so, I, I never knew that, actually. That's actually very so, sweet. So. so here's a very touching moment on, on Stay Away to Yevon with a Tear. So anyway... Do, 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 do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's why she watches baseball, is because of I you. never knew that. I thought the reason why she watched baseball was because of your... No longer... Alive father. Because of my dead dad. Yeah, because of your dead dad, yes. Well, we, we went to a few games growing up. We, we'd always go to Shea Stadium and never have tickets for that game and have to like drive there at the last minute and then park about a mile and a half away and then walk on the highway practically and every part of this. And watch them lose, probably. And go all the way to the, the upper deck to, to see some dots lose to some other set of dots. It was a, <laughs> Do you rem- what's the most me- memorable game you went to at Shea Stadium? If you remember. Yeah, I don't even remember. But I, I do remember that my mother actually went to an all-star game at Shea Stadium back in 1964 before I was born. And she was pregnant with me. So theoretically, my first game was in utero in July of 64. In an all-star game. An all-star game. Not to mention you watching legend. You were watching legends or hearing legends through the womb, anyway. Or I was just hearing lots of like internal stomach flatulence or whatever. Yes. You remember? I remember one experience with your parents. You remember when I went to Old Yankee Stadium in two thousand eight? Yes. And uh, and, then my, I, and then leaving, and then your my, my father tripped on the tur- under the turnstile. And yeah, because he, there. well, yeah, because his MTA card wasn't working, so he had to uh, go underneath the. Was it the turnstile? Is that what? Yeah, is the one thing about my dad. Anything that could that not work out right, or kind of be like a moment of of embarrassment, or like just. He definitely held held all kinds of uh, awards for this. Hey, your dad made a joke at a was it at a pizza place? Was it when you guys were in Vegas? They came over here and they took care of us and uh, and your lovely and my lovely grandmother. <laughs> He's not paying you, bleeping idiot. <laughs> and, he, and she said it so loud. I'm pretty sure other people in the restaurant definitely heard it. Even the pizza chefs probably like stopped what they were doing. They're like, huh? What's I, going on? Well, the thing is, you grew up—you grew up in a, in a world of comedy, and you could only have that to give out. That's why I think—I think my whole life is a sitcom, and everyone around me is just my supporting players that are here to, to kind of help me get through the storyline of of my life. Oh, for God's sake! Your parents were Frank and Estelle Costanza. It's not even funny. This is true. They definitely were. They—I I definitely grew up in a, in a real life Seinfeld scenario. That's another Seinfeld. I think that the day. I think that should be. I think we should do an episode about Seinfeld because you know it is because you're still talking about it to this day and it's been off the air since 1998. Well, it's a, it's a very New York centric, but you know you can kind of you those those characters you identify with them even though they were cold and unfeeling. But hey, maybe, maybe then again, people used to call me cold and unfeeling for many years, so maybe that's why I really kind of get on with them. Probably took you forty five years to realize that you that you have the tendency to not be cold and unfeeling. So, well, it's it's all about 
you know, who you're around and, and what my life's purpose. And here we go. We're, we're going to wrap this whole thing up. I think my life's purpose, even though I've been trying many things, is probably the betterment of my children. I've, I think I, I think is it's it's my goal that you guys have a better life than I do and better advantages and better educational and better jobs and, and you get to go on and to do great things. I do the best I can to reach to that status. Not that I put any Lindor pressure on you at this moment whatsoever. There's no Lindor pressure. It's more like uh, Glaber Torres pressure in a way. So, <laughs> <laughs> nah, you got you just just be yourself. And you're gonna do great. That's all I can very do. Very proud. Very proud. That's all I can do, really. But you know what we're gonna do now? We're gonna heat up a lot of food and have a huge lunch. I am very, very hungry, by the way. So, of course, September first. I am very, very hungry. I figured we do this before we eat. This way, you know, we're like musicians. You you play better if you're hungry, because this way you you've got that eye of the tiger. You get the fire in your heart, and you got the burning heart. <laughs> Rocky reference. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, if you want to listen to us. We are available on the major podcast platforms. You can follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, follow us on our Facebook page. Give us a like, comment, or give us a thumbs down like the, like the Piaz gave to Linda. If you give me a thumbs down, I'm coming after you. I'm going to I'm gonna give you some other fingers. I'll tell you right now. I was about to say, <laughs> it ain't going to be the ring finger. I can tell you that. That's right. Well, everybody out there. We love you. You know, there's a lot of love out there because this 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 group is growing. I, I feel it. I, I feel it too. You know, it's gonna. There, there's only one way you can go up, and that's up. <laughs> if respond, let us know what you like to hear us talk about because we'll talk about anything. I can talk about anything. I could talk about how how I'm a lefty, but then again, people are not going to be very interested about that or how to make the best shepherd's pie. I don't know. I will find something to talk about. Let us guys. be your network. Whatever yes. you need, we'll get it done. Good day, everyone. Good day.